This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. The country is still in shock after the horrible shooting at a Texas elementary school, which killed 19 students and two teachers. And now there are so many questions about the law enforcement response and what to do now to keep our students safe. And joining us to discuss this is Lieutenant Steve Rogers. He is a retired military officer who was assigned to the FBI Joint Terror Force. He was also a lieutenant at the Nutley, New Jersey Police Department for many years. Steve, great to have you here on the podcast. Thank you. Well, Rita, thanks for the invitation. You know, it is such a troubling time, I think, on so many different levels. You and I have known each other literally for decades, Steve. And I have never seen so many questions first on the police response. I mean, right away, we heard from the Texas DPS, you know, the public safety state office there. And they came out and said the way it was handled was wrong. They say, you know, basically they're pointing the finger at this local commander on the ground who was head of the Uvalde, you know, school police department. He was the chief of the whole area there, this Pete Arredondo. And they say he made some major mistakes in the way it was basically handled, saying it was a barricaded shooter versus an active shooter. What was your response when you hear all of this? Well, I was shocked that the incident commander did not have complete control of the situation and made that decision. Now, let me just bring you back a little, Rita, if I will. I have gone through active shooter training during my career in law enforcement. And one of the things you quickly learn, especially after Parkland, is that you immediately engage the active shooter immediately. You're not going to stand by and wait for a key to a door. You're going to take immediate action. And what bothered me when I saw this unfold, I'm wondering, what are the cops doing? I mean, minute after minute, tick, tick, tick went by. And there were still no media alerts or any news coming that the police had engaged the shooter. And I believe it was 40 minutes, between 30 and 40 minutes, before the police actually engaged him. So I was stunned and shocked. But not only was I stunned and shocked, but a lot of law enforcement officers, perhaps an overwhelming number of law enforcement officers across the country, were somewhat taken back by the incident commander on the ground, did not engage this active shooter immediately. What do you think went wrong? I mean, what's interesting in this case, this guy apparently did get a bit of training. He had a couple different courses. He's kind of touting that he had that in the past. There was apparently also a Uvalde SWAT team. It seemed like they had the preparation in place, but they didn't react, obviously, appropriately given the time. Well, what went wrong is the commander didn't follow the standard operating procedures with regard to engaging an active shooter. Why on earth he made a decision that 
basically, in his view, everyone in that school or in the classroom that the shooter was in was dead. So in his view, from what I read, that since everyone was already dead, why risk the lives of police officers when the active shooter would now solely engage cops? It's beyond my comprehension that anyone would make such a decision, knowing that a lot of times when there's a massive shooting, there is somebody that may still be alive. So he made a very bad decision, obviously. And now we'll never know if the police would have been able to engage the shooter earlier, lives would have been saved. So what we call in other incidents human error, well, this was a human tragedy. He should have never made that decision. Yeah, absolutely. And now we're also hearing that there were 911 calls from students and from teachers inside at that time in that critical window that you just referred to, Steve Rogers, saying there are other victims in here. So in other words, they're live ones, and that comes from dispatch. So in other words, that was relayed to at least some police or some authorities on the ground. So they can't say, well, we didn't know. Well, you're absolutely right. Well, they did know, and who knew it had to be him? I mean, he's the incident commander, unless someone purposely blocked information from him. I'm wondering, during this period of time, how many of those officers, and by the way, I'm sure you agree with me, those cops were brave, and they did everything they could under the circumstances to save lives. So nothing, certainly, we're going to take away from their heroism. However, being a police officer at the rank of, you know, rookie from being there for many years, You can't move without the permission and the orders of your commanding officer. And I'm just wondering how many cops truly wanted to enter that building immediately and were hindered as a result of the commander, which leads me to the guy that did enter the building. And that was your Border Patrol agent, who I believe, from what I've read, had a borrowed gun. Someone gave him a gun. And since he wasn't in the chain of command of that incident commander, he went in and did what had to be done. So it was an epic failure, I'm sad to say. And it was one man. One man was responsible for the inability of the police to get in. I'm not going to go so far as to blame this guy for causing the death of all of these young people, but he certainly created a situation where the killer had more time to take the lives of more young people. Yeah, it is so tragic. And just as you said, there were a lot of folks who, and I think as it unfolds, we're probably going to hear that there were a lot of cops who really wanted to go in. And just like you said, were probably told stand down. And in fact, we haven't heard yet that anybody said go in. It sounds like just as you're saying that the Border Patrol decided on its own, we're going to go in. And thank goodness that Bortak agent took him out, took the shooter out. But we haven't even heard that anybody at any point was told, storm. Well, you know, Rita, what astonishes me, you know, as law enforcement officers, we read a lot, we study a lot of incidents that occurred during the course of our career. And if anything you've learned as a cop is that when there is an active shooter, you don't wait. I believe I've read incident after incident in this country where in some cases the police waited and because of their waiting, ended very, very tragically for victims who were waiting for the arrival of the cavalry, if you will. So that's what astonishes me. I mean, from the day you get into the police academy, from the day you start active shooter training, and by the way, you don't go through active shooter training one time. We did it three, four times a year here in Nutley, New Jersey. And believe me, it's intense. It's very specific on what you have to do in the event you engage an active shooter. And Rita, at times, You know, you're not in a situation where you're going to wait for the commander to say, go. You will have to make a decision yourself if you have an opportunity to take out the killer. So there were a lot of things that went wrong here. And I'm sure through an investigation, 
I would hope that the law enforcement officials in that state will be very transparent and upfront with the people. And look, I'm not looking for anybody, the commander or anybody, to lose their pensions, etc. But what we need to do is lessons learned and reinforce those lessons that we learned from this particular incident. Absolutely. So it doesn't happen again elsewhere. There has to be a lesson learned. You can't just suddenly move on. The families, I believe, so much obviously deserve answers. You know, one of the things that's been astounding, too, by the way, regarding this chief, we've been hearing reports that he is not cooperating now with Texas DPS investigators. And in fact, CNN tried to get some answers out of him the other day, and he wouldn't really answer any questions. He was kind of dodging and weaving. Maybe he's lawyered up. But that's also kind of interesting, Steve Rogers. Rita, you're right. I am sure he's lawyered up. And under the advice of counsel, he has been instructed not to say anything for a few reasons. One, there's no doubt there's going to be lawsuits. No question about it. Civilly against him and otherwise. Secondly, there'll be an internal affairs investigation within his department. I understand the federal government is now involved in investigating this. I mean, look, I don't know where this is going to go, but it may end up going into criminal charges against him. I don't know that as fact, but I know how some of these investigations go. So his lawyer probably told him, look, don't say a word. Wait until you and I, meaning him and his counsel, get together and talk. But to me, you know, if you've got nothing to hide, he already said he made that decision. Well, look, why don't you help give some closure to the victims and just tell the truth, just tell the truth. And then you know what, you move on from there. Yeah, absolutely. And the victims certainly deserve that. My goodness, the family members of survivors and those who were inside who survived, they absolutely, absolutely deserve to know. And those who lost loved ones, of course. I mean, it's just so, so tragic. What was your reaction to the shooting, too? It's just heartbreaking, Steve Rogers. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, talk about losing sleep. Now, I've been a police officer for 30 years, saw it all, learned it all. I mean, I've been involved. I was involved in a shooting in the 1990s. This is something I really lost sleep over. Maybe I'm getting a little older there, Rita. You know, you become more sensitive when you you reach a certain age. But what bothered me is it should not have happened. I mean, it just, just simply should not have occurred. And that's what really troubles me. Another, you know, people say, well, it's easy to look in hindsight. Well, maybe it is. But when you go through the training that these officers went through and that this commander went through, And sit back, you ask yourself, well, you know, try not to be a Monday morning quarterback, but you say to yourself, well, I was involved in a situation like that, or maybe if I was involved, what would my reaction be? And your reaction is what you learned, the training you went through. I was an officer in the United States Navy. I was taught you make decisions, and you make decisions based on the totality of circumstances that you have before you, but you make sure your decision benefits, in this case, the victim's and not the killer. But it was a sad moment, not only for America, but for the entire world. I mean, there were people who just were grieved over this. And I think more so, Rita, because they learned later on, this certainly should not have unfolded in this manner. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. 
Yeah, and you know, we still have so many conflicting stories, Steve Rogers. This is the thing that's so confusing. First, they said there was a school resource officer who was on the scene outside the school and said he had a shootout, basically, with the suspect. Then it turns out he didn't, that he wasn't even there. Why are we getting such conflicting stories? It seems more than usual. Well, it is. And again, a lesson learned. One of the jobs I had in the police department as a detective lieutenant was the public information officer for the department. And I remember the chief and I sitting down saying, well, any incident that occurs, we will make sure that we will have all the credible information that we need to get to the public without compromising our investigation. And if you didn't have information, you just simply say, I don't have this now, but I'll look into it. It seemed to me there were so many people jumping at the microphone from politicians to police captains to chiefs. I mean, there were just too many people getting in front of that mic. And what you need is one person, one person assigned that you get all the information to. And that person, and believe me, I've known this from experience, checks out every bit of information that they're receiving before they publicize it. And that puts to rest, Rita, rumors. It puts to rest speculation, false conclusions, disinformation, And especially, you know, rumors just travel faster than the truth. So it's a good method, a good way of stopping rumors immediately. But there was no control from the moment it started to now. Even now, there seems to be no control. So we'll see moving forward if somebody learns a lesson and takes control. They need somebody to be the point person that takes control of this entire situation and then feed the public not what they want to hear, but the facts and then deal with it. Absolutely. And you know, to me, this is a big fact. How can you say there was a resource officer there who had a shootout, basically, and was sort of a hero cop was the way it was portrayed. And then you find out he wasn't even there. I mean, that's a big difference. Well, how about another one, which really stunned me? Remember, did they say a teacher opened the door and left it at that? And then you find out, well, the teacher didn't open the door, the teacher closed the door. I mean, could you imagine how the teachers in that building felt And others felt when, you know, they have a press conference and say, well, a teacher left the door open and then find out later it was not true. You see, this is adding insult to injury. This is adding anxiety and grief and pain and suffering to people. And I'll tell you, I never believed in my life I would be talking about a subject regarding police departments. Uh, Like you, we go back, Rita. We've always defended the police when they did a good job. But when they do a job like this, we have a responsibility to get down to the bottom of what happened. And that's what at least I'm endeavoring to do. Again, another epic failure in communicating with the public. So my question is, kind of rhetorically, well, how do you expect the people to have enough confidence in their police forces? How do you expect the people to have enough confidence in government? Epic failure that not only affects the people in that area, but this has had a ripple effect across the United States. Yeah, it certainly has. And now, of course, so many questions of what we can do to keep our kids safe. How do you feel about, you know, hardening schools, more armed guards, metal detectors? What do we need to do, Steve Rogers? Well, in the short term, okay, I believe that these are soft targets and we have to harden them in the short term. And let me be right up front. Gun control is not the answer. It simply is not the answer. Throwing money at programs to reduce guns on the streets is not the answer. I've never seen a bad guy come into my police department and say, here's my gun. But what I believe is the answer is to begin sending funding, if you're going to start throwing money at the problem, to increase your community policing capabilities across the country. Get the cops back out on the street to do what? You're creating an effective 
communication link between the people and the police. Community policing, you got cops on the street. And Rita, when I was a community policing officer, in fact, supervisor here in New Jersey, our cops knew the who, what, when, where, and why of everyone who lived in the neighborhood. They knew Mrs. Jones. They knew the kid. They knew who was involved in domestic violence. They knew who had mental health issues. And they knew, no doubt about it, that that person who had mental health could have either been a potential victim of suicide or a violent crime. So we had all of that. And during the time we had all of that, I kind of did some research looking back. We did not have the problems in relation to crime that we have today. So in the long term, begin to develop a community policing program where your community cops were going to be able to interact with school counselors, mental health therapists, and people in the neighborhood. There's your long term way. And also, we've had a moral decline in this country. And I've always said, and I'm saying across the country, when we look for solutions, we need to include our clergy. We need ministers and rabbis and priests, people of all faiths, to come together and to work with the police department, work with law enforcement, to bring back some moral foundation to this country. And once we start doing that, we're looking at educating people. We're looking at giving law enforcement the tools they need to help the communities. But I think most importantly, we need to get this country back to, if you will, a strong spiritual foundation, a belief in God and a belief in the ability that And the knowledge that, you know, there's a God above, and believe me, he hears our prayers. And I don't say that lightly. I really believe that that is a true part of a solution to a very serious problem. You know, the other thing is, too, is the family unit is, you know, is having families to turn to, people to turn to. You look at a lot of the profiles of these recent shooters that come from broken homes. But we also find family members who don't seem to want to admit that that individual has a mental problem, too, or has an illness and doesn't want to seem to get help. I mean, there's a huge issue here within the family of what they can do. Well, first thing they could do is start communicating. And Rita, I've shared with people, again, all over the country, go into any diner, any restaurant, go anywhere. And you'll see a mom, a dad, some of the children sitting at a booth in a diner. And what are they doing? They got their phones in their hands, their iPads, and they're just pushing away. Nobody's talking to anybody anymore. You see, so parents have to set some rules down. And the rules are going to be simply this. When we're together as a family, we're going to talk as a family. Rita, I'm sure you know the series Blue Bloods, right? Uh, It's a great series, and one of the things that have impacted me, and I know a lot of people, is that the Reagan family, at the end of the series, of each series, always prayed. They were at the table and bowed their heads and prayed. They had great discussions, and they prayed. So what we need to do is to get back to a time, and you hit the nail on the head, where families are going to speak with each other. Talk about these shootings to your children. Talk about some of the problems we're facing in this country, and zero in right at the family. It all begins, as they say, Ronald Reagan said, it all begins at the dinner table. Well, we need to just not eat food physically, but how about some food into our hearts, our souls, our spirits, and our minds, be speaking with each other. And also kids to have the sense that they can tell their parents if there's problems. The other thing is also social media. And I want to hear real quick your thoughts on that, Steve Rogers, because what's astounding to me in the case in the Texas school shooting is he was communicating with somebody, I think it was somebody overseas, and communicating basically saying, I'm going to shoot my grandmother, then sends another message, I just shot my grandmother, then sends another message, now I'm going to an elementary school. Who in their right mind gets a message like that and doesn't do anything? Well, you see, people become conditioned to today's society thinking, well, this is a joke, this is a fake. 
we have consistently told people, if you see something, say something. Every case that I've studied involving an active shooter and other criminal, it seems to be that they've always posted on some social media platform their intent and what they were going to do and when. So we need to be more vigilant. Parents, again, they need to see what their children are doing on the Internet. Think about this. When I grew up, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have all the violence that is being consumed now by young people. But a young kid wakes up, they are on their phone, they're playing violent games, games where there's shootings, games where there's car chases. They go to the movies, violence. They read a book, violence, and on and on and on. It's all violence. And what we should be doing as parents and teachers is talk to our children about what this is all about, what violence is, and why you need to stay away from this. I guess the bottom line is, Rita, today parents have to stop being friends to their kids and be parents, be present, be involved. And they'll find out that they'll certainly avoid a lot of problems as they become teenagers. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very well said. Well, Lieutenant Steve Rogers, so great to have you with us. And thanks for all you have done for many, many decades, my friend, to keep this country safe. Thank you for being here. And thank you for your broadcast. It's been a help to the country and I'm sure a lot of help to victims. Thank you. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.